And we are back with another episode of Talking as a Free Action. I'm your host, Owen, joined again here today with our illustrious co-host and standard number two, Marvin Heideman. Did you just call me number two? Wait, am I number two? Is that how this works? I don't think either of us wants to be number two. I mean, I guess. Either way, welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. So, um, so yeah, it's it's been a little bit. Um, no guest today. Uh, I think first time in, what, four episodes? Five episodes or something? Something like that. It's been quite a while. Yeah, and, you know, honestly, I've missed it. I, I've missed having the, just, like, the one-on-one time. Like, not that I don't, I mean, I enjoy having guests on the show, of course, but, like, it's, I don't know, you have to be a little bit more on, I guess, during those conversations. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's definitely going to be nice to have a little bit more of a relaxing tempo to today's uh, episode, for sure. Um, I agree, man. It's just, you know, it's two dudes talking, just like we started. Yeah. And, wait, are we going to end that way, too? I feel like we should, right? That would be appropriate. Like, if we ever have a last episode, yeah, absolutely. We should definitely just, you and me. Yeah. It should also be live on Twitch. (laughs) I concur. I concur. (laughs) Um, For sure. Um, A bit of a gap for last week's episode. Um, Had a bit of an issue with the recording, unfortunately. So um, that recording's lost. But um, we will try and get that guest back on... um, it's sometime in the future. I'm not sure exactly when, but um, but we will try and have them back at some point. Uh, you know, we have a couple of ideas for for show topics, so we'll, we'll try and pick one that'll that'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. It is it is unfortunate about that recording, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, so it goes, though. Uh, that said, um, I don't know if we have necessarily like a topic air quotes for tonight. Um, you know, you'd think with us having the extra time to prep for today that we would, but, uh, you know, I I, I kind of just wanted to let it roll, and I want to kind of uh, have fun talking a little bit about our uh, our most recent D&D experience, and, you know, kind of what else, whatever else comes up. I mean, yeah, who needs a topic? We don't. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so without further ado, um, I guess the big news for the, the week is that I finally got to run a live game for the first time in years, and boy, it feels different. Uh, we're making sure that it's our turn to talk because of the way mics work. Because um, if two people talk in real life, uh, you can kind of single out one voice. If two people talk on Discord, you just hear mumble, 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 mumble. And like it's it's so much more difficult to work with that when people talk over each other all the time. <laughs> yeah, and like it happens a lot in D anD D, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes you just have to like stop someone, <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it. So yeah, and also there can be side conversations in real life games, which you can't do online. Just you can't. But if if you're handling something where I'm, you know, underwater wrestling a shark, Julian and Alan can entertain themselves until it comes back to them. It doesn't really work like that online. 
Yeah, exactly. And moreover, too, like the the way that everything's kind of set up, like if you get distracted, it, you could very easily just like miss out on on what's going on too. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, it's a little bit easier to like figure out the social cues. Like, I don't have to remind you that like I'm talking to you now, right? In real life, because yeah, you know, if you know Julian and Alan in this case are talking amongst themselves while I'm was initially talking with you, the minute that I stop talking to you, they clock that I've stopped talking to them to you and I've started looking at them, you know, yep. or I could just address them directly um, without having to say, Hey, Julian, or Hey, Alan, um, I can just kind of gesture over, twist my body in neat space and say, Hey, all right. So while that's happening, you're doing this or what are you doing? Um, yeah. So, yeah. And also no technical issues. Mics aren't cutting out in real life. Oh, dude. <laughs> Like it's just it's it's quality of life, right? Because like any time that we have a technical issue online, it eats up so much extra time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, it felt good. Um, I didn't do a ton of prep for the campaign, but I did run a module out of the Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount, um, and honestly, went really well. Um, it was honestly a pretty well done opening adventure. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, I got to be piratey. It's fun for me. <laughs> yeah, you guys did not uh did not waste any time uh getting into that. No. And I think like I think the module expects you to take more time becoming piratey and we were just like nope, we're pirates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like in the module itself it does actually give a couple of opportunities for you to like rescue villagers, but it does actually take into account that like if the players choose to be a little bit more selfish or less, you know, uh, not exactly cut from the the nicest moral moral cloth, um, it does actually take that into account um, for sure. Like what what you can do, I, I just thought it was particularly funny because like I was maybe somewhat naively hoping that there might be a little bit more um, hesitancy to jump into that style of life, but uh, maybe I should have expected no different. I mean. I honestly thought Alan was going to play more shonen protagonist character than he did, and I'm glad he didn't, because this was fun. <laughs> it was fun. He was a lot more Jack Sparrow than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. Talk too much about rum, though. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of rum talk, for sure. Um, but it was a, it was an interesting party. You know, didn't really get into much of, like, a like major personal storyline, but I think like part of the benefit of having those live games is that you can focus in a little bit more. There's less distraction, certainly. So it feel, it felt like we moved at a pretty good clip. Like we got through a lot of material. Mm-hmm. I remember you saying that, um, the module that we played, we did roughly two and a half sessions worth of gameplay in that one session. Yeah. Like approaching it for sure. And granted, like I did yada yada, some of it, and honestly, I could have yada yada a little bit more to actually clear out the module for that sesh. Because, um, <laughs> like, during the um, the sail back to the to the island, where, the site where the island used to be, um, that fight where you guys fight against the Navy, like, I could hypothetically just cut that encounter and just proceed directly to the one after that. Um, but I kind of felt like... Uh, the captain character that you guys were interacting with was one that mm-hmm. I wanted to stick around. So I want to drop the, that encounter is in the book. Um, and since it's kind of recommended to like build a little bit of intrigue around the captain, since we're going to continue to play this campaign, I figured it was a good thing to, to probably include just to, 
have extra stuff and yeah it was um it was definitely a fight for sure it's pretty grueling for a first uh first session i liked it because it was difficult but it didn't feel like unfairly difficult yeah you guys just rolled like dog shit (laughs) yeah yeah like I didn't count it out exactly, but I think um, Julian, the who's playing a bard fighter in this uh, in this game, um, two levels of fighter, mind you, and I think he landed four attacks, maybe the entire session, and that's like across three different combat encounters. It was it was definitely something like that. I think he rolled a total of five natural ones. <laughs> yeah, like five natural ones, and I think he rolled above a, like a seven or something, maybe a, a half a dozen times. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was pretty rough for him. I felt quite bad because, um, like, it kind of messes with his character concept a little bit. But that's just yeah. how the dice go sometimes, you know. Sometimes there's variance, and that's why we use dice. Yeah, um, I, I will say that, like, I, I will say that, like the the Admiral character in that situation was definitely one that I didn't expect to hurt so much. <laughs> like I didn't expect him to hit that hard. So like when I initially set up the encounter, I was like, okay, I'll just throw in a couple of extra things. But then like I checked him and he's like CR two. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like run the first attack. He has a triple attack, you know, is a, a three attacks in the multi attack. And they each did like, you know, seven damage each or something. I'm like, oh my god, like I need to I need to immediately remove these other enemies because there's no way that you guys will be able to to take them out. Oh yeah, no, we were definitely gonna just eat it. There was no way we were fighting anything else besides him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I could see the second you realized it after that first attack. <laughs> <laughs> you took 14 damage. I'm like, wait a minute, everybody in the party has under 30 HP. Or yeah. under 40, I think. I think some of you guys have like 34 or something. Julian is the highest with 31. Yeah, everybody else is made of paper mache. Yeah. It's not it's not the perfect system. <laughs> yeah, I mean part of that too is like I'm reading the book as we're going, right? Like I was like mm-hmm. somewhat familiar with the structure of the adventure. I had read through it a couple of times beforehand, but like I'm still kind of like catching up as like these events are unfolding. So, like, mm-hmm. if I had read a little bit more carefully, I would have seen that they really only expected you to fight the captain in that fight. They don't expect... They expect you to use the other characters as set dressing, basically. Right. And so, like, one thing I will say is, like, I do somewhat regret killing off some of the few named NPCs that I dropped in. Um, because, like, that's kind of a feels bad. Those are, like, you didn't really have an opportunity to interact with those characters anymore. Uh, and you didn't really have a chance to save them either. Like, so that was kind of a feels bad. So that's something I, I I may end up retconning at the start of our next sesh. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how I feel about it. I guess in a in a few weeks. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really get too much of a chance to care about any of them per se. So, yeah, but I I got the feeling that Julian felt bad about it. I mean, that's because his character wanted to bang the orc lady. <laughs> Maybe it was better that I that I kill her off then. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so I, I guess do you want to uh, do the honors of uh, describing the, uh, the the player characters? Uh, sure. Uh, I'll start with myself. Uh, my character is um... oh crap, uh, Viz Krona. He's um, a Sliverkin, which is a homebrew race based on the Slivers from Magic the Game, but more humanoid. 
Um, and he is a star druid, Circle of the Stars druid. And he's kind of he's kind of a sarcastic asshole pirate. And then there's uh, Alan's character, Alsef, who is um, he is a variant human that is unique to this plane that we're playing on. Uh, he's got red hair and I think sharp teeth, if I remember right. Yeah, and, uh, and like tan skin, I think. Yeah, and tan skin and, and gold eyes. Of course, Full Alan anime. has gold eyes. Full anime. <laughs> this is the most Alan character I've ever heard. <laughs> it only gets better. But he is what sorcerer, sorcerer, wizard. Yeah, he's um, uh, two levels of aberrant mind sorcerer in a le- or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's like two levels of aberrant mind sorcerer and like one level of wizard. But I think he's planned to go blade singer on that. It might be flipped though. He might be one level of aberrant mind. I'm not 100. percent I think it's one two because he has blade song. Yeah, yeah. So he must he must be uh, primarily wizard at the moment. Yeah. Um. And he is, as Owen said before, very Jack Sparrow. He he portrays himself kind of a little bit bumbling, but not super incompetent. Almost like he's trying to throw you off. And he he very much likes his rum. He's definitely in it for himself. There was one part on uh, Sinking that Island. And say, repeat that. Uh, there was my character. What was that? Repeat uh, starting from there was one part. Oh, there was one part where we're escaping a sinking island. And my character was, you know, once we approached the boat that we were trying to flee on, my character was like, shepherding as many people in as he could before the boat left and um julian's character was hanging out with my character and alan's character was just like nope i'm getting on the boat um but his character is definitely 100 percent in it for himself and i like that that's unusual for him um does he usually like play like spirit of friendship characters he normally plays more altruistic characters usually some um, but this guy seems more on the evil side of neutral. Yeah, I didn't technically force any of you guys to like pick an alignment. I don't really see them as all that helpful. But uh... yeah, I don't. I don't like choosing alignments so much as I like playing an alignment because alignments are strict and rigid. And people's morality is usually not that strict. <clears throat> yeah, like... Not as strict as the alignment system in D&D, at least. Yeah, certainly not. I mean, like... And the other thing, too, is like the way that the alignment system in D&D works, it's like... Like, what am I supposed to do? Police your activity? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like nobody wants to be in that position. And it's much more entertaining just kind of, like, let the characters go... Like, mm-hmm. I guess they're important from, like, a mechanical standpoint for some abilities, but, like, 5e is really cut back on how much that even matters, to the point where, like, I don't even know why they left it in. Yeah, I've I've never actually, like, I've never wanted protection from good and evil in 5e. It doesn't even do that, though. Protection from good and evil has nothing to do with the creature's alignment. I think it just, um, it depends on the type of creature. 
Well, that's even worse. Then why do we even have alignments? I think this, like, ostensible reason is to give newer players, like, an architecture with which to think about their characters' choices. But, like, it's, like, the worst way to do that, in my opinion. I think the the things in your background, the ideals and um, connections and stuff like that, I think those give you more of a direction to play your character than just Hello? Hello? Those give you more of a direction. Uh, they give you more of a direction to play your character than just choosing an alignment. Because, um, like, it's right there in your background. Like, pick some things, and these describe just some of your character. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, uh, our, our last party member? is oh my god what was his name it was uh, <laughs> it was a uh, fisk but i think his stage fisk. name was grimace yeah so julian is playing fisk who is just a hippie he's he's a hippie he's also a professional wrestler hold on we're getting there <laughs> fisk is just a hippie he's and not a not a very intelligent hippie we we are seriously he has some kind of developmental issues. Um, Can you repeat? Uh, he's we we seriously because it cut out and I, it's going to make it sound like you just accused him of having developmental issues when I know that's not what you wanted. <laughs> no, that's what I wanted. We're seriously considering whether or not he has some kind of developmental issues. Yeah, it's like uh, it's borderline. <laughs> yeah, he, he's um, very adamant that he doesn't. But like the way that he plays as a character is very like. All right, like we're we're crossing the line from like obliviousness to like actively choosing to be obtuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's aggressive. Um, but that being said, I think it is. I think it's a distraction. I think he's like pretending to be dumb so that he can do bad things, but not make it seem like he's doing bad things. Okay, so you think he's like trying to like next level me? Yes. <laughs> but Fisk isn't the interesting one. Because he's got two personalities that may or may not actually be a split personality <laughs> disorder of some kind in character. It it is not a split personality, I quashed that. He asked me, I told him no. Alright. Well then now I'm less interested. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just because, like, I don't... I, I think that, like, a lot of times in, in TTRPGs, people are like, ooh, I want to play a personality character. And it's like, yeah, but this is, like, an actual mental disorder, and I don't feel like you're going to be very respectful about it. And that's something that, like, I want to try and avoid during my games, at this stage in my life, at least. Um, so that, that's why, like, the, the way that I caught a, a whiff of, like, the way that he wanted to do it, from what I understood, and, like, how the like how the game had gone thus far i didn't mm. have faith that he would be aiming to have multiple personalities in a way that would do that sort of thing justice if that makes sense like it felt like it was more just like as a gimmick and i don't want to use mental health as a gimmick that's fair still less interested anyways 
his uh his other persona grimace is just a professional wrestler and it's wild he seems so unhinged uh we were talking about it after the game that he might want to take levels of barbarian oh oh <laughs> okay yeah i mean like i could see it i could see it yeah so like he has he has two skill sets and he doesn't use them in his two differing personas as uh as fisk he will do the bard stuff and a light bit of the fighter stuff and when he's wearing the mask he'll only do barbarian things and some of the fighter stuff yeah um I think it, I think it should be stated too that like it's not like an ornate mask. Like he described it as just like a cut burlap sack with some eye holes in it, which like really goes to like really make you question the person's mental acuity. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, it's it's insane. It, it's like it's it's absolutely nuts, and I wasn't even sure what to do. And the problem is like he's so nice. <laughs> like his character is so nice to people. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's a distraction. Yeah. Um, so that's the party uh, in a nutshell. Uh, it, it will be interesting to kind of see how the how the party goes. Um, as far as like the adventure itself is concerned, um, it's a pretty, uh, pretty interesting kind of setup. They, they set you up on a tropical island during some sort of like shark hunting competition. You get to like mill about the island for a little bit before, you know, suddenly the island starts sinking and the shark monsters start attacking. And, you know, you have to, like, escape the island somehow, either by, you know, jumping on the ship or swimming across or saving the pedestrian, like, saving the, the other island goers, whatever it is, right? And then from there, mm-hmm. you get you get acquainted with the um, tabaxi uh, captain, and she is more than happy to, you know, cut you in on a deal uh, for a, a certain treasure that she is uh, hunting down. And then, you you know, you head to a port, get some stuff at the port, and then head back to the island, and then, you know, and then it's the next step. So um, the way that the initial module is set up, the uh, first session is supposed to end when you guys get on the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, session two is largely supposed to be you guys going to sh- uh, to the uh, plate to the port basically, and then from there, uh, you know, doing the shopping and then returning to. And I think the um, the admiral admiral fight is supposed to be the end of that session. Mm-hmm. And then the third session is supposed to be get to the um, get to the uh, remains of the island, and then do the rest of the the parts. You know, go down underwater, etc. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how it uh, how it goes. Um, you guys got all the way up until you know returning to the abyss, and you guys got really messed up between the admiral fight and that. So you guys are gonna have to take a little bit of a resty <laughs> before you head down. Yeah, that that uh that last fight before going underwater was not was not good for us. <laughs> yeah, and again, I really think it just comes down to the rolls that you guys have been getting. Like, yeah, we definitely rolled poorly against those fish people. Yeah, because like they're not high CR monsters, which like yeah, no. CR is bunk anyways. But like, you guys are like level three, and I think this 
this fight intends for you to be level two, if I remember right. Yeah, that sounds right. So, like, the Admiral is supposed to be, like, a challenge at level two. At level three, mm-hmm. it was still a challenge, but largely because of your poor luck. And then the, the Sahagin monsters are just supposed to soften you up. They're not supposed to be, um, you know, like, death on swift wings, you know? Because they're only CR, like, half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're only half a CR each. You know, they don't do that much damage, like, three three damage a hit or whatever it is. So. Yeah, it's... It was just the bad rolls, honestly. It could have been way worse. But it could have been way better. Yeah, it absolutely could have been a lot better. I think part of it, too, is just, like, with your... um with your builds, like, you don't really have... Like, unfortunately, your one melee character wasn't really hitting at all. Like, everybody else is mm-hmm. all ranged. Yep. So, so we'll see how it, how it shakes out. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit, uh, too, about kind of um, developing the race and developing the backstory um, for your character a little bit. Because I know we talked a little bit about that, and I know we didn't really get like into a ton of it, um, backstory-wise, but we did go back and forth a little bit on creating that race, so... Um, I want to know if you want mm-hmm. to kind of quickly go over that. Uh, I mean, sure. Um, like I said before, Sliverkins are... Uh, they're loosely based on Slivers and MTG. Are, they're kind of a mass of flesh that can shape itself however it needs to. Um, and it all exists in a hive mind. And individual slivers do have their own autonomy, but they they act according to the hive mind's will. Um, and they they definitely change shape as referenced in the way the cards work. <laughs> um, which is cool. Um, and the sliverkin race that Owen created mostly on his own is um. It's kind of an evolution of that with more individuality um, with some callbacks to the hive mind that they evolved from. And yeah, it's fun. Um, I've added like naming conventions to how their society works. And we, uh, we decided on how their society functions and that they don't really have one centralized government or community they're a bunch of smaller um settlements that decide how much of their hive mind mentality they want to keep using individually it's cool yeah um and it was really fun kind of thinking about kind of what some of the eventualities would be for a race like that we'd also agreed on on them being somewhat short-lived race yeah they're they're i think max out Roughly 80 years old is what we talked about. I thought it was like 70. 70? 70. Yeah, it was like 60, 70-ish in that range. I mean, shit, I might do that anyways. And then blame it on this liver overlord. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god, Vance, you killed, you killed, you killed Charlie. What'd you do that for? Ah, dude, that was so crazy. It was, uh, oh man. It was like something was in my head. I, I couldn't stop myself. <laughs> uh, rip Charlie. 
Yeah. So, um, so that was part of it, but that, that was kind of a lot of the fun of building the race was like trying to understand and think about how they would fit into like the, the greater like mesh of the society, um, for the world and trying to like make it feel believable, you know? I do know. <laughs> um, so for stats wise, do you want to uh, walk the, the audience through like what the race actually grants you mechanically? Um, yeah, sure. I'll I'll do exactly as much as I remember, and then you can fill in the blanks because I don't remember at all. Uh, um, you can just—I did DM it to you, I think, uh, um, Messenger at some point. Nah, this is so much easier. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so it grants dark vision up to sixty feet. Um, you have um up to three total points to put into your ability scores as racial modifiers. Uh, you could do 2 and one or 1-1-1 one, 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 divided as you choose. Um, all of a innate sense of Sliverkin within, I believe, 100 feet of them and can sense their general mood. Um, can you repeat uh, sense their general mood? Their general mood slash disposition. Um, and then once between long rest, I believe, uh, they have an ability to limited shape-shifting ability where they can turn one of their arms into a weapon or they can get a slight natural armor as long as they're not wearing heavy armor, uh, and that shapeshift can last for up to an hour. And I think that's everything, actually. Uh, almost. Um, so with the shape changer, you're right. It's as a bonus action, you can mold one of your arms into a blade-like natural weapon or claw, um, which you're considered proficient with, and it deals a d6 plus strength. Um, or you can get a plus one bump to your AC if you're not wearing heavy armor, um, as you can develop your skin into a thick carapace. Uh, you can maintain the shape for one hour, after which you need to complete a long rest. So um, that was correct. Uh, psychic link is for a hundred feet. Um, you can sense the general mood, but not any deeper thoughts. And then uh, mental fortress. So uh, you have a natural resistance to magics so that would influence your thoughts. You have advantage in saving throws against mind affecting magic. Almost all of it. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, given that you've only played the race once. Yeah, I try. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so pretty cool. Um, and yeah, that, that's kind of one of the big things. Um, I did do a variant human for Alan that was a little bit different than the normal variant human. Um, basically, mm -hmm. what we did was we just used the, the Tasha's Cauldron um, rules for um, for uh, custom heritage, right? Where you could just, you know, it's just the catch-all that they use for anything that doesn't fit normally. Right. And because uh, he just, he wanted to be human, but he wanted dark vision. So that's what we went with. And, you know, the the visual traits that he wanted for his human were different enough that, like, to me, that warrants being, like, you know, human adjacent, you know. Like, could have been mm -hmm. its own race, honestly. Like, it, it's different enough, but, uh, but he was fine with it being human. So that's what we did. Seems good. Yeah, not bad. Um, and so because he was doing, like, a somewhat different variant human, I opted to make that kind of like a sub race within the... Well, not sub, like it's not below, but a uh, a uh, 
a, a heritage that uh, humans can have within that setting um, that we're using right now. Mm-hmm. And that heritage is, they're referred to as highborn, um, because again, there is a mageocracy that does exist, and um, the mageocracy's um, long-term affiliation and use of the mage oil has changed their their being, basically, and made them a little bit different than what humans used to be. So, um, you know, while not every highborn is necessarily of, you know, royal lineage or anything like that, or rather, not every highborn is wealthy necessarily, but their lineage typically can be traced back to somewhere, um, and perhaps their their family has fallen from grace or something. So, like, just because someone has those traits doesn't necessarily mean that they've that they're loaded. Um, it it could mean a lot of different things. So, fair enough. So, does this mean that Alan is secretly some kind of nobility? Maybe it is a. It is an assumption that someone could make um, that they may be a royal or noble or something. It's also totally possible that like it's far enough back in the line that it doesn't actually impact them anymore. Fair. Fair. You know, it's like if I said that, like, oh, I'm related to Charlemagne. Like, yeah, sure. Like, that's cool, I guess. But also, that was centuries ago. Charlemagne doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> exactly. So, like, think of it more like that, right? It's like, yeah, the the bloodline probably does trace back to something impressive, maybe, but doesn't necessarily mean that he has money now. I'm gonna assume he doesn't have money, but I'm also gonna assume that he probably could if he wanted to. Well, yeah, that's what you call theft. That's not what I meant, and you know it. <laughs> it's what he's doing. I mean, yeah, that's what we're all doing. Gosh, what's something the name something of, piracy. What's the name of that horse from Over the Garden Wall? Uh oh, Fred? I think it's Fred. <laughs> I want to say the horse's name was Fred. Then you you know the scene I'm referring to, right? Like, uh you mean the one where he goes, I want to steal. Yes. <laughs> I quote it frequently. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you mean you want to borrow it and not give it back? He's like, I was thinking more of just stealing it. He's like, you can't do that. He's like, well, you stole Fred. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Fred was... Fred's a know... talking horse. He can do what he wants. Uh, uh, I love Over the Garden Wall. It's a good one. It's a good one from what I understand. Still haven't seen it, but I I know that scene well enough. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really interested to to get into you know kind of some of the story beats that I have planned, particularly for Alan's character because he's the one who like gave me the most to work with early on. Mm-hmm. Um, have you given any thought to like how you want your character's backstory? Because we didn't really touch on it; we kind of just rolled up and went. So I didn't have very much to go with for your character. Uh, nope, I got nothing. Are you interested in brewing it now? Uh, sure, why not? All right. So um, I, I guess some early questions then. So um, who, who are your parents? Where, where are they uh, from? Let's see. My parents are people with names, for sure. Names are not what? terribly important right now. What those names are, I don't know. But they definitely have them. Are they alive? 
we're gonna say one of them is. Um, hold on, let me flip a coin here. I like the style of, of uh, backstory generation. Uh, Mom is alive. Okay, and is is Pop Pop dead from uh, some tragedy or just bad luck? Uh, I don't I don't think I like tragedy for this backstory. Let's let's just say uh, old age. Uh, um, I don't actually know how old is how old, how old is. I think I made him like 17 or something. Let me look. I have your sheet right here. Alright. Um Viz, 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 Viz. Did you write your age on the sheet? You did not. Okay, well, we're gonna say he's 17 or something. Makes sense to me. Very cool. Um, so do you remember what your bonds and flaws were and uh ideals and such uh nope not even a little bit okay Ooh, i remember one of them was about a paramour that almost drew me away from my life on the sea yeah and it looks like one of your ideals is the sea is freedom that sounds like something i would do all right and there's uh there's a there's a paramour waiting for you. Somewhere. Do you want them to still be alive? Uh, dealer's choice, but Viz definitely thinks they're alive. Whenever I'm doing backstories, I always work under the assumption that this is the character's perspective, not the absolute truth. Seems legit. I think it's more interesting that way. Like, as a DM. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, it gives you the opportunity to always surprise the player, you know, with elements of their backstory. So, like, I remember this happened to me, actually, when I was playing my Necromancer, where, like, my character's perspective of my family life was very different than what the actual family life ended up being. And the DM just chalked it up to my character being very young at the time and not understanding everything. Which, like, okay, fair enough. I was probably an edgy teen. A dumb child, if you would. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, yeah, and then flaws, my pride will probably lead to my destruction. Yep, that tracks with your, uh, get off my boat command. Get off my boat. (laughs) Interesting. So, um, I guess what we can gather from that is that you definitely have an affiliation with the sea, um, and the stars, and, uh, and whatnot, being that you're a circle of star-driven. Yes. So, where did you get your druidic power from? And is that a recent um, development, or is that something that uh, you just always had? We're going to say it is not recent, but it is not something that has always been a part of him. Um, something that he has, he has had access to for quite a while. Like 10-ish um, years? Because you're only 17, so like, how young were you when this, when this started? Let's go like he was maybe 12 on the cusp of adulthood for a sliverkin. So five-ish years. Sure. Okay. I can dig it. I didn't figure out how he, uh, how he came to have these druidic abilities. Um, 
All right. So new question, similar question then. So were you interested in charting the stars and such before you got the abilities or was this something that you developed afterwards? We're going to say it's probably something he was interested in before. Because that feels like what I want to do. Maybe some kind of like, you know how in Howl's Moving Castle, uh, Calcifer is a star that falls out of the sky and Howl gives him his heart so that he doesn't die? Maybe something like that, but not a sentient thing, just like touched okay. by a star, so to speak. Okay. Um, we could definitely do something like that. Uh we're like almost warlock-esque i guess yeah but like it's something that's just inside him now yeah yeah i'm not i'm not proposing this as like some sort of patron or anything although one day maybe yeah formalize the terms stormageddon the dark lord of all you can't do that stormageddon's alan's cat i know (laughs) <laughs> You're gonna form, maybe the maybe the cat is cat. named after this eldritch god. Maybe the maybe the cat is the eldritch god, and you make a pact of the fae with the fae cat. That also sounds funny. Sounds ridiculous. <laughs> Technically possible, I suppose. I don't like that it's possible, but it, I guess. <laughs> it's like my my patron is my wizard's familiar. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like what this says about your relationship to the wizard. Uh, would that technically make me subservient to Alan? I mean, only if you consider yourself subservient to your patron. Uh, Which you do not fair. have to be. That's super fair. Hmm. This is giving me a lot to think about now, and I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, all right, so moving back to your character then. So your character gets the powers at age five. Um, why did you, you know, did you leave, uh, why did you leave your, your home, basically? Come again? Why did you uh, leave your home? Like, I guess, what was your life before you started adventuring, and why did you leave your old life? Um... Money. Like most pirates, I just needed to make some money. Okay. So, like, basically, like, you looked at your life options, and you're like, well, toil away to make barely enough, or high risk, high reward. Maybe originally intended to toil away, and couldn't find any well-paying, respectable jobs that, uh, that lasted more than a week. Or something, started doing odd jobs, and then somehow piracy. Okay. Um, So, would your character consider themselves a pirate before the start of Session 1? Honestly, probably not. Because I don't think I was pirating before Session 1. Okay. I uh, I think that shark hunting competition that we participated in was, like... Your pirate origin story. Yeah, the last normal thing that he attempted to do before piracy put itself in his lap. <laughs> All right. Um, so it seems like you've always kind of been a little bit of a hothead then. Would that be fair to say? Uh, yeah, probably. 
Makes sense. Also makes sense why, you know, your your magical talents might lead you to believe that you could capture a shark with your bare hands. I listen, I could have captured that shark with my bare hands if the world didn't start ending around me. <laughs> I was gonna win against that shark. I was gonna shoot it in the face. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that's one way to to, to catch it, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, as far as your your druidic origins, right? Your mm. your character has these magical abilities, but I guess they don't necessarily consider themselves a druid. Uh, probably not. I don't think that's something that he would actually consider because I don't think he like has interacted with other druids before. Mm-hmm. Okay, so hear me out, right? Uh huh. So. I don't know exactly what your character's origin is, like, precisely, but I'm I'm willing to, like, float an idea that I had for a druid that was supposed to be, like, a sea-focused like druid, and I wanted to get your take on it and see if maybe this fits or goes with something. So I had an idea for a druid that was going to be, like, the um, circle of the land focusing on, like, the shore, basically, or the sea. Sure. Um, but basically what the druid origin for that was that the character got shipwrecked at one point and mm-hmm. basically while shipwrecked he was able to like come into communication with some sort of like spirit of the of the forest on this mysterious island and while he was able to escape the island by building a raft and such um, he's not been able to find the island since and like any attempts to locate the island have proven that it's, like, uncharted or doesn't exist. Hmm. And so, like, the the drive was to go back to the sea to try and find the island again. That was, like, the, the short version. Um, the funnier version is that this is basically Tom Hanks, but Wilson is his patron. Um, <laughs> that, that would be a very funny warlock, but, um, but something similar to that as far as druids are concerned. So do you think maybe something like that could fit we're like maybe not necessarily lost at sea but maybe you found yourself your way to an island at one point and maybe you know on the island there was like a cave or something where when the the moonlight reflect reflected into the cave or whatever it created like a, a multitude of star charts across the the cave walls or something and like awakened this this power within you and you just haven't been able to find it since uh sure i don't hate that i don't hate that one bit so, like, it, it's a ni- it's a neat little like. Here's a special event that happened in my life, and like, I've been chasing that high ever since. <laughs> that does sound like what I would do. It also sounds like the plot of a, of a YA novel. Most of the characters I make do seem like main characters from a young adult novel. <laughs> so, um. So how do you feel about that or some variation of? Uh, I don't dislike it. Um, I do still kind of want to go Warlock at some point. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's some way to work that into this backstory. Mm-hmm. Like as an option, you mean? Yeah. Sure. Um, well, I guess we could do it one of a couple ways. We could do it that like it's like a spirit of the island 
that like led you to the cave and you know afterwards you you were granted those abilities but we could also do something a little bit more we could do something a little bit differently where like maybe you stick on the druid path but like if at some point you find the island again you can formalize the contract You know, reasoning that, that like, it, you know, reasoning that like, if you found the cave the first time and it brought you power, maybe the second time you find it, it'll bring you more. Mm-hmm. I guess it depends that on what your character's outlook is on the situation. Hmm. Yeah, let's go with that. Cool. Um, so how did you find yourself on the island in the first place? Shipwreck? Just sailing about and found it? Uh, yeah. I mean, probably going between jobs or something, trying to find work on a different island or something. Mm. Oh, um, here's an idea. What if, uh, what if it was on the other side of the Seagate? The island? Yeah. Sure. So, like, it's almost like a parallel dimension or something. And would mean that you're inherently interested in finding more sea gates. Yeah, I don't hate that. That sounds like a good time. (laughs) Because, like, you know, also, too, it it gives your character, like, an inherent interest in tracking down other sea gates. Like wherever they may mm-hmm. be, in an attempt to find it once again. Yeah, and you know, asking people who have been if they have seen it before, which you know, you're level three, so up until this point, you have not. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that works. Sign me up. Cool. So at age twelve, you were on a boat, maybe just fishing, maybe just sailing for fun. What do you think would make more sense? Um, I think I think this would be like for work. Okay. Maybe Dad just died. Mm-hmm. So, like, had to help provide for family. Okay. So yeah, maybe it is a fishing vessel. Maybe I was fishing. Okay. You're fishing, trying to find some fish to put food on the table or sell, perhaps. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, a storm hits or something. Yeah, maybe. No, storm seems cliche. Storm seems cliche. I think what's more interesting is, you know, you're fishing and because these gates are wandering, right? They're wandering portals. So like if you're fishing and you just turn Mm -hmm. and like suddenly like your ship is just like, you know, one of these portals just like approaches you basically and just swallow, takes your ship. And so like, Mm -hmm. you know, you black out for a moment, but when you come to, you know, your ship is seemingly fine and you just see a small island that's nearby and you don't see the other land masses that you were near beforehand. So not seeing another option, you sail towards there, anchor the ship, you know, travel onto the island, 
don't find anybody. The stars, you know, there's no stars in the sky, which is like spooky as hell. <laughs> I like this. I like this. Um, and then from there, once you, uh, you know, once you, uh, you know, spend the night on the island or something, you know, you're approached by, there's like some, a shim- shimmering light that like draws your attention in the woods. So, you know, going to go check it out. You find your way to a cave and, you know, the light disappears into the cave. You travel in. And once you get to like, you know, inside the cave, there's like a small chamber or something. Um, and a light shines through the, the, you know, roof of the, of the thing and it refracts and, you know, stend- sends a, you know, magnificent star chart across the entirety of the interior of the cave. Right. And then, you know, once you, uh, you know, do that, it like refracts and, you know, maybe hits you with some light or something. I don't know. I'm not a wizard. Um, <laughs> whatever the case, you know, you block out, but wake up and, uh, you know, wake up a little bit later. And, you know, when you uh, step outside, perhaps there's a new star in the sky. And so, you know. Ooh. I like that. That's a nice touch. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, there's one star in the sky or something. And then from there, like, you're, mm-hmm. you, uh, you know, get back on your boat. You see the gate open up in the distance. And you follow the star to the gate. And it takes you back home. I like this. I like this a lot. Because now we're implying that star druids come from the other side of one of these gates. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it is technically a, a plausibility. Um, also means if you go back and you see a bunch of other stars in the sky, it tacitly implies that other people have been here. This is good. I like this. I like this a lot. Yeah. And this is also the kind of tall tale that you could tell somebody and no one would believe you. Yeah, because I'm probably making it up or drunk. (laughs) I mean, you're 12. You're probably not drunk. I'm an adult in Sliverkin terms. That's fair. <sighs> With a shape-shifting constitution, does that mean you could choose to become more drunk? Uh, is that how that works? I don't know. <laughs> I think it would be funny if it worked like that. <laughs> What are you doing? It's like, oh, uh, all of us sliver can have the ability to shapeshift away our kidneys for a little bit. And so we just get blasted. This is like 4% proof. It's like, yeah, I know. It's great. <laughs> what are you doing? Choosing to be more drunk. What? <laughs> That's like people who get drunk off of eating bread because like, their gut like has bacteria that ferments uh, wheat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I think this is a good start, for sure. And then, you know, whenever... I mean, not literally whenever, but at some point we can bake into the story for you to find this place once again. You know, and if you want to take the Warlock levels earlier rather than later, we can try and work it in earlier in the story. And if you want to... If you're fine waiting for a little while, um, you know... Just give me like a range, I guess, on when you want to take that warlock level, and we can work this back in. Sounds good. We'll see how it feels. Yeah, I guess it's always an option for you just to stick with druid, right? 
I mean, I'm definitely going to multi-class into fighter at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't have, like... I'm not even sure that I want to go Warlock at all. It's just something that I've been thinking about and haven't counted out yet. Right, right. It's a good opportunity. It's a, it, like the way that this is set up, like there's a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And like clearly whatever the light is, like you could in, you could assume like as a character that there was some intentionality there, some deity or being or whatever drew you to that place, or maybe it was all in your head. I like to think it was all in my head and I'm just just dying. <laughs> just some tumor in my head and I'm just gonna go out. <laughs> uh, half as long, twice as bright, they say, right? <laughs> oh. Oh, man. <laughs> no, this is good. This is good. Um, this is good backstory. Um, any other... Hey. Uh, any other NPCs that you want to uh, generate that your character might be familiar with? Um, if not necessarily your mother, um, you know, friends, family, acquaintances, business associates, anything like that? Uh, um, Do you want to name your hometown? <laughs> yeah, not really. Okay. Um, ooh, there is a location. Okay. That I used in one of my games that I think would be cool for this setting. Okay. And I kind of want to be from there. Sure. What's it? It's called the Shifting Isles. Sure. What's up? It's it's a group of in my setting it was like 15 islands, but it can be any number, bigger or smaller, of mm-hmm. islands that did not have a single fixed point and kind of moved in a pattern okay around a section of the ocean okay is it like a predictable pattern yeah okay so like they could they could chart and tell where each island was going to be at any given time and that's kind of how they do their trade with each other uh, when their islands get close enough, they just send a little dinghy out. Okay. Sure, it's done. That's a cool place. I very much enjoyed making it up for my setting. Yeah, no, I think that makes total sense. Also, like, it's the kind of thing that, you know, fun intrigue. Why did the islands mm-hmm. move? Yeah. I toyed around with them being, like... Sea creatures? You know, yeah. And then I was like, hmm, no, there's enough of that in fiction already. Yeah, there is a lot of that, actually. Plot twist. The rest of the world moves around the islands. The islands themselves are fixed. The islands are stationary. The rest of the world moves. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's just Professor Farnsworth's uh, spaceship engine, right? Yes, I'm I'm well aware. (laughs) How does it travel faster than the speed of light? It doesn't. It's stationary, and it just moves the rest of the universe around it. That doesn't make any sense, Professor. That's not how engines work. It's how this engine works. (laughs) Oh, it's so stupid. (laughs) 
I love how he says it. <laughs> it's just like, well, obviously it does work because the ship does what it says. Uh, I love Futurama. It's a good one. One of the best. Uh, that was really beneficial. That was really helpful. Um, this, is, this is good backstory stuff. Um, still want to see if I can add like an NPC or something that you've interacted with at some point, though. See if what? If I can add like an NPC or something that you're familiar with. But I guess realistically, no. it's just anybody you've interacted with doing odd jobs over the last five years. I mean, like, I can make somebody up. I just... I guess that's fine. If there's no, like, particular adventure or something that you want to, to include in that backstory, and that this is, like, the first, like, beyond your initial origin of your superpowers, this is, like, the first, like, exciting thing that's happened to you in your life, like, that's fine. Yeah, I like it that way. Yeah. It also kind of makes the, the session the results of the session that much more amusing or <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's like, wow, things really went from like zero to like, I'm just going to do pirate stuff now. Maybe he was always kind of a quote unquote opportunist and just, you know, wasn't a pirate. <laughs> Never had the opportunity. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. But like, I don't know, maybe he like always stole little things if he needed to just to get by and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So always the opportunist, but never with an opportunity. Exactly. I Makes like sense. that. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And honestly, like if, you know, the strange cat lady walks up to you and says, yo, your cut will be 500 gold pieces for the three of you. Like, that's probably more money than your character has ever, like, seen in one place. That's more money than my character ever thought he would see in his life. <laughs> yeah. I remember something that my brother used to say to me <laughs> when when I was younger. He's like, I just want you to know that I've lost more money than you'll probably ever gross. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I've lost more money than you will gross in your life. Oh, Chad. <laughs> he wasn't wrong, but like also like kind of rude. <laughs> he definitely wasn't wrong. <laughs> so... But I'm just like, I'm, I'm reminded of that moment, right? Um, where it's like... Honestly, that's a great line. <laughs> I mean, he was very good at them. He, mm-hmm. he, he definitely had a few a few highly quotable moments, and that was definitely one of them. And I guess, my, I guess my brothers are just very good at making quotable moments, between that and the leg comment. The leg one was good. I guess I know. People at home, you can keep guessing what it is. No, I think I'm just going to share it. It's too good. It's so much more fun if they're confused. Fine. I'll I'll share the leg joke next time we have an episode. How's about that? All right. If I remember. You won't. (laughs) I never do. But um, honestly, it's a minor miracle that I keep as much like story information in my head organized given that I don't write very much of it down. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. Tons of other important information I just forget all the time, but like for whatever reason D&D plot lines, nope, those got to stay right locked in the in the old noggin. Well, yeah. If you don't remember them, who will? It's true. Bobby maybe. Yeah, Bobby ain't real. That's fair. All right. Well, <laughs> well, I think we're going to go ahead and call that an episode then. So 
Sounds um, good to me. So with that, everybody, uh, thank you so much for joining us again. Um, remember, you can always catch us on Twitter at TIAFA Podcast. Uh, you can catch me at Vlad Beaver, Marvin at Taigetsu. Uh, the show has new episodes every Sunday, um, barring last week, of course. Um, so with that, again, thank you so much for your time, everybody. And, uh, you know, I, I hope you get a chance to play some live D&D soon. <laughs>